It is gone. Okay, and the story begins. Okay. Cheryl, you're welcome. We're on chapter 12, page 138. The Bainini. The Bainini is the in-betweener, right? Two weeks ago, we discussed the Tzaddik. The Tzaddik is the person who has totally internalized the divine soul. That is his guiding, um, that's his internal compass. That's his guiding compass, his divine soul. His animal soul is either non-existent, there's different levels, but or at least irrelevant. Right? So he doesn't have that impulse to negativity. The Russia is kind of the exact opposite. His impulse, his uh, guiding compass, if you will, is the animal soul. Right, some he follows what his animal soul wants him to do. He expresses his animal soul in behavior. His animal soul is dominant. So, what's a bainini? What's an in betweener? Somewhere a in the middle, right? A little yeah. bit of that. A little bit of this. He wants to do bad things, but he doesn't. Well said. Well said. Exactly. The bainini and the rasha have a lot in common. They both want to. They both have the urge for negativity. The difference is. The Bainini won't do it, right? Right. The Bainini also has a lot in common with the Tzaddik. They both, um, in terms of behavior, don't do negativity. The difference is the Bainini wants to. The Tzaddik doesn't even want to. Let's see it inside. Page 130. Um, the first bold line. It's the second paragraph. Second English 130 paragraph. 130 or 138? Sorry, 138. Sorry, thank you. Uh, 138, second bold paragraph. The Bainini is a person whose evil never gains enough momentum to conquer the small city, the person, to influence the body to sin. So he has negativity within him, but it doesn't get dominant enough that it's going to express itself in negative behavior. Right? Um, this means that the three garments of the animal soul, not its feelings, not the actual soul itself, but its garments, which is thought, speech, and action um, of Klepa, never overcome the divine soul within him. So behaviorally, he's always in control. Emotionally, he's not always in control. Right? But behaviorally, he always is in control. So as to become dressed within his body, brain, mouth, and other... Um, what's that word there? Anatomical parts, which total 248, causing them to sin and to be defiled, God forbid. So the, the Benini doesn't have that issue. The Benini wants to sin. The Benini has the urge to sin. But he has enough control that he's not going to. Behaviorally, externally, he's in control. Um, but he's not like the tzaddik because emotionally he's not necessarily in control. He still has the urge. Okay. Um, so co compare the behavior to the actual urge to the emotions itself. Let's jump to 139. The middle uh, bold paragraph. However, in the case of a Benini, the divine soul's deep core 
the soul itself, not its behavior, which is its 10 powers of intellect and emotion. So the intellect and emotion of the soul, not its behavior, not its garments, are not the only forces attempting to direct and dominate the small city. So emotionally, intellectually, the animal soul is very much present. But it's not present enough that it's going to make its way in behaviorally. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, that's, he's the Bainani. He's the in-betweener. He's in between the tzaddik, he's in the, but he's also in between both souls. We said earlier in chapter one, the way our sages of the Talmud defined the three levels, tzaddik, Bainani, and Rasha, a tzaddik is a person who is guided uh, by his good inclination. That's who. That's his internal um, advisor, if you will. For a rasha, his internal advisor is his negative inclination, and the bainini is advised by both. But he's not listening to the. He's not actually following the directives of the evil inclination of the evil influence. It's just it's there. He has the urge but he's strong enough to not actually go through with it. Now, there are times where a Benanim will have a tzaddik-like experience. So there are times where at that moment, only his divine soul is dominant. And he has an experience. He's not a tzaddik because he still has the animal soul, but he's, he has that certain tzaddik-like experience, um, mainly during prayer, um, uh, during prayer, you know, Yom Kippur. We all know how we feel Yom Kippur during the Elah. You know, it's a, it's a high level. And there's times where we can feel like a tzaddik. And what happens is, davening is over, services are over, we go back home, and thank God we're normal again, right? <laughs> um, if, if we were a real tzaddik, we wouldn't be normal again. We'd be the same. But we're normal people, thank God. And... It's, a, um, it's an experience that we have once in a while, that a Benini may have once in a while. We'll have that tzaddik-like experience, but he's not necessarily still a tzaddik. Now, let me ask you a question. Where does the Benini get this strength to, 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 to where does he muster up the strength to have the self-control? Good question. In other words, if we're a Benini, this guy, this person that we're describing is a Benini. He has this strong urge. The urge is very much there. The negative urges, impulsive urges, um, self-oriented urges are very much a part of his life. Where does he, because he's not a tzaddik, right? So where does he get the, the ability, the strength to, sting, to stand strong? Study action. Study actions and words. Okay, but but where does he where does he get the strength to actually study? He has an urge to do other things. And it said in the book that the brain takes over the heart. Okay, good, good, beautiful. The mind rules the heart. This is a powerful rule. Let's jump to page. Um, where are we? Page one forty three, in the middle of the page. Is that is that part why men with spilling we have? When we put on spilling, right, the top is for the head, heart, the, the arm is for the heart, and the top is for the brain. Exactly. 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 The rule is, based on the Zohar, 
Um, th this, this notion, the mind ruling the heart, is very popular in contemporary psychology. Um, it's usually employed in um, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. What's cognitive behavioral therapy? I have certain emotional reactions in life. And those emotional reactions are instigated by my understanding, by my beliefs. And often those beliefs are not true. So I might, have, I might feel bad about myself, right? for example. I might have a negative self-esteem. And it's because I believe certain things about myself. But if I challenge those beliefs, then I'll feel differently about myself. What does that show? That how I feel is a product of how I think. And my mind is stronger than my heart. The mind rules the heart. And this is, what the, this is something that uh, contemporary psychology has um, developed in the past uh, several decades. But this is something that the Torah has been teaching us for thousands of years. We quote the Zohar. The Zohar authored by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in the Mishnaic era. Several what exactly thousand, uh, is the Zohar? The Zohar is one of the earlier books on Kabbalah. Mm -hmm. um, it was authored, you're familiar with Rabbi Akiva? Mm -hmm. Okay, so Rabbi Akiva had 24,000 students. Um, and they all died, unfortunately. They were all plagued, actually, during the Omer season. And there were five remaining students. One of them was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Um, very often when you study Mishnah, you see Rabbi Shimon, or you see Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, you see him quoted. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai also authored a book on Kabbalah, also authored the Zohar. Um, the the Yort site of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is on Lagba Omer. And that's the reason why we celebrate. One of the things Lagba Omer celebrates is his influence on um, spreading Kabbalah in the world illuminating the light of, of Torah. The word Zohar also means to shine, to illuminate. Because with the book of Splendor. I always thought exactly. it's called the Book of Splendor. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, another, so, and, and so his teachings illuminate the world, illuminate our eyes. Um, so um, the Zohar says, and this is what he writes in the Zohar, uh, since inherently, this is the bold paragraph, the middle of 143, since inherently and in its natural capacity, the brain rules over the heart as stated in the Zohar, the portion of Pinchas, for that is how man is formed at birth. This is a natural quality that we all have. Now, the Russia theoretically also has this quality, but it takes training. We all have the quality. It takes training, though. How we feel our urges is a product of how we think. And our impulses can be totally shut out if we're just a little bit more intentional, if we're a little bit more mindful. Right? Mindfulness is also a very popular thing these days. And being a little bit more mindful, a little bit more intentional, um, when, when we're intentional, we're bound to be less impulsive. I'm going to share my screen with you. Um, where are we? I don't know how to put the PDF up on the screen. Hold on. Okay. Can you guys see my screen? Yes. Okay. Do you see text four? 
Yes. Okay, text four is an excerpt from Hayom Yom, a daily calendar of a daily dose of inspiration <coughs> authored by the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And he writes something interesting. A fundamental principle of Chabad philosophy is that the mind, which by its innate nature rules the heart, rules over the heart, must subordinate the heart to God's service by utilizing the intellectualization, comprehension, and profound contemplation of the greatness of the creator of the universe. The more we think, the more we feel. This is a foundation of Chabad philosophy. The reason why this is so fundamental in the Chabad philosophy is because the essence of, Chab of the Chabad philosophy is not reacting to inspiration, but trying to generate inspiration. That's really what it's all about. That's why the Chabad Hasidic movement is less insular than other Hasidic movements. Other Hasidic movements focus on inspiration, and when you're insular, you're able to create an environment that's inspirational. You're able to live in an environment that's inspirational. And in Chabad, we go all over the world to the most remote place of places. Because we're here to generate inspiration, not just react to it. And that all starts with our own human psyche, the mind ruling the heart, rather than reacting. Cheryl, you had a question? I, I do. Um, I would just like, in, in the future, can you email us those sheets? I have a hard time because I wear bifocals of reading um, back and forth on the screen, and I also like to take notes on it. So yeah. I, I greatly appreciate it. I do have a printer at home. I'm not sure if everybody does, but I would really appreciate the sheets ahead of time. Or yeah. The morning of. Yeah. Thank you know, I'd, I'd be happy to do that. Not Thank a problem. Yeah. Next time. God willing. Yeah. I'd be happy to send that. I could send this to you also. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, a, a great example, a great analogy for this. It's the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. A thermometer displays uh, the, the temperature in the room. The thermostat controls the temperature in the room. Well, and our job is to be not only global thermostats, but also on a personal level. We're supposed to be thermostats. We're not supposed to be just reactive to how we feel. We're supposed to guide how we feel. Or the way we worded it, I think, last week or two weeks ago, our mind is supposed to guide the heart rather than just justify it, right? Our mind is supposed to guide our emotions, not justify our emotions. Make sense? I'll tell you a story. So when, when the Al-Tarebbe, you know, the Al-Tarebbe Al lived about 200, 250 years ago. He had a relationship with Napoleon a very close relationship with Napoleon, a very negative relationship with Napoleon. They had a big rivalry. Napoleon actually personally pursued the Al-Tareb and wanted to kill him. Um, when, you know, Napoleon lived around the time that the Tsar, Tsarist Russia, was, was rising to power, and Jews had to make a decision. Who do they want to side with? Do they want to side with Russia? Or do they want to side with France? If they reside with the Tsar, 
you know, they're not allowed to practice their religion. They're going to, but they'll, they could physically live. Napoleon said he doesn't want any Jews alive physically, spiritually. He's not here. Napoleon wasn't here to assimilate us. He was there to kill us. Sorry, other way around. I got it backwards. Napoleon wanted Jews to assimilate. The Tsar wanted Jews dead. Most Jews, most Jewish leaders sided with Napoleon. The Al-Tzedeb decided to side with the Tsar. Well, looks like we, you guys still there? What? Well, we're still there? Yeah. Yes. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah. My, my screen froze. I wasn't sure if you could hear me. Um, the Al-Tarebbe decided to side with the Tsar. He said, being spiritually dead and losing Jewish identity um, and assimilation is going to be much worse. The, uh, and Napoleon was literally after the Al-Tarebbe. He chased the Al-Tarebbe. The Al-Tarebbe had to leave his home. And he set his home on fire so that Napoleon could have no trace of anything that he could have. That, 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 that the Al-Tarebbe had a connection to. Now, Al-Tarebbe left his slippers behind. He went back to get them because if Napoleon had anything uh, that the Al-Tarebbe had a connection to, he would be able to trace him down. The Al-Tarebbe had a disciple. His name is Rabbi Moshe Meislish. Of Moshe Meislish. I was, um, I was in yeshiva with his great, 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 great grandson several years ago. Um, Rabbi Moshe Meislish was an expert linguist. He was fluent in several languages. Besides for Yiddish and Hebrew, you know, growing up in the shtetl, and besides for Russian, being a Russian Jew, he also knew French and had a very good French accent. The Altarebbe encouraged him to go into the Russian military and become a, a spy, to spy on France. So Mesha Meislis would frequent France quite often. And he's in Napoleon's palace, and Napoleon is suspicious. Napoleon walks in. He looks at Ramesha Meislish. And he says to Ramesha, you're a spy. And he immediately puts his hand on his heart to feel if he has a heartbeat, right? The human lie detector. Um, Napoleon feels nothing out of... The ordinary says, never mind, just kidding, you're good. Reb Moshe Meislish was saved. Reb Moshe said what saved him was the Aleph base, the ABCs, if you will, of, Chas of Chabad Hasidic philosophy. The mind rules the heart. That's what saved him. This one line in Tanya quoted from the Zohar, the mind rules the heart, saved his life. Because he was able to con literally control his physical impulse, um, and, and and not feel the, you know, not not get nervous, just by being intentional. Uh, very often we have impulses, you know, we feel impulsive, we feel urges to things that we shouldn't necessarily have, but if we're intentional, we can easily control that. Jonathan Weissman, you guys know Jonathan, right? He told me something fascinating. We were discussing this a while ago. And he told me he had a patient. Um, one of his patients would say, no need to use anesthesia. He would like go into this meditational like trance. And he said, I'm not feeling any pain. And he would like talk himself out of feeling pain. <laughs> no, I'm not saying we need to go that far. 
but it's the idea is how we feel is a product of how we think. Two examples I want to share. An abstract example and a personal example. The abstract example. Person, God forbid, his uh, leg were to get infected. And God forbid he has to get it amputated. <laughs> right? Horrible thing. It's, he goes to the hospital and registers for the surgery and he's letting the doctors perform on him. And if you think about it, from an emotional perspective, it makes no sense. You're letting somebody chop your leg off? It makes no sense. How could you allow yourself to, to do that? How do you... But from an intellectual perspective, a rational perspective, we're being rational, not emotional. The leg is infected. Not amputating it is going to be dangerous. This is what has to be done for your health. And who wins? Who won? The mind won. The mind won, right? Because the mind rules the heart. When we're feeling emotional about something, irrationally emotional, if <laughs> inappropriately emotional, being rational is bound to win. Rabbi Shays Taub is a, is a well-known Tanya teacher. Um, he, he's one of my favorite teachers. You can check him up on YouTube. His name is Shays Taub. He used, to, um, he used to do a lot of addiction counseling and, and give a lot of seminars and, and incorporate ideas from Tanya. He wrote a book also on the 12 steps of addiction based on Hasidic philosophy called God of My Understanding. And he was giving an, he was teaching this concept and he was giving he gave a beautiful analogy. He said he was going to the supermarket with his wife. His he waits in the car, his wife had to run in to get something. And he's catching up on some prayers on, on some psalms. He's just catching up, he's looking in his book. And he said the car next to him is a mother with a young child, and the child did something he shouldn't have, maybe ran into the street, I don't know, whatever it was. She starts screaming at the child, letting into him in a way that you don't normally do in public. And he said he's, he's reading his Psalms and he looks up. <laughs> she notices two eyes peeking at him, at her, from him. She stops. Why did she stop? If the she boy deserved to be stroked, what? She was embarrassed, maybe. She was, she was embarrassed. noticing. She was embarrassed, right? Yeah. But that's rational. It's rational. Emotionally, she's just ballistically screaming uncontrollably. As soon as she noticed she's being watched, her senses came to her and her mind ruled the heart. Several years ago, um, this was, must have been three years ago, maybe two years ago, Javi and I went to South Africa. We figured that we're going to do one exotic trip we're never going to make it to South Africa ever because it's just so far. Let's, let's get it out of the way now. <laughs> we went to South Africa, and somehow I was talked in. Javi's the adventurous one. I'm the, I'm the more, whatever you want to call it, not adventurous one. Reserved. Reserved. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> I'm going to use that one. No. Okay. <laughs> So they, we, we sign up to go paragliding, which is basically 
you're attached to a guy on a parachute and he's like the pilot. He's manning the parachute. You're attached to him. You run off a mountain together and you <laughs> glide all the way down. So not my speed, not my thing. <laughs> but I said, okay, look, we're here. How often do we come across the world? I'll give it a try. We drive all the way up the mountain. We pay, we register. And I say, this is not happening. It's not happening. You don't have to refund me, but it's just not going to happen. I'm not jumping off a perfectly good mountain. <laughs> not happening. And the guy running the place said something so profound. He says, look, you know why you're nervous? Your feet are used to being on the ground. So you're... So your, your, your nerves are telling you this is not natural. It's unnatural. It's unsafe for your feet to be off the ground. So you're scared. But think about it. It's perfectly safe. The pilot wants to live as well. You'll be fine. He totally made so much sense of it. And it totally calmed me down. And it lasted about 30 seconds. Enough time for them to, to strap me in. <laughs> but... It taught me a powerful lesson, this idea. And Tanya, the mind rules the heart. We get nervous. We get impulsive. We get reactive. Um, we have urges to things that, that are not necessarily appropriate. Where does the Bainini get the strength to implement self-control? Right? That's the mind rules the heart. That's this line over here. As long as we're just being intentional, we're going to be in a good place. We're going to be in a healthy place. Let's take a look on page uh, 144. Uh, the middle bold paragraph, actually the only bold paragraph. <laughs> This is particularly true when you are attempting to coerce your will in the direction of holiness. As the verse states, this is an important verse. Um, and as I saw that there is an advantage to wisdom over stupidity, like the advantage of light over darkness. So if we want, so, so uh, wisdom being intentional will totally shut out any stupidity, just like light will shut out darkness, right? Meaning that just as light has the advantage of control and dominance over darkness, in, in that physically a small amount of light will push away a lot of darkness, and there's no struggle between the light and darkness, which is dispelled automatically and effortlessly. In the same way, a lot of stupidity if you will, foolishness, um, not being rational, right? Of klepa, of negativity, in the left chamber of the heart will automatically be pushed away by a small amount of light from the divine soul, which is in the mind. So sometimes we're feeling an urge, we're feeling an impulse, our animal soul's barking at us. And we don't really need to fight the animal soul head on, just like you don't need to fight darkness head on. We need to turn on a light switch. Being intentional, which is getting back to our divine soul, which is, like we said in chapter 9, located primarily in the mind, 
is turning on that light switch. We use the analogy specifically, not just intellect in general, but specifically wisdom. What does wisdom mean? In Hebrew, so Chachma, uh, right? Chachma. Chabad is an acronym for Chachma, Bina, and Da'as, translated literally as wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Wisdom is not the best translation. Like I said, never rely 100% on translations. I'm going to show you a better translation. I'll show you what Chachma means, translated as wisdom, and we'll see what word you can come up with. Um, let's jump to chapter 18, page 217. We'll jump ahead for a second. Okay, it's the the middle bold the middle bold paragraph, the second bold paragraph, which starts with "This is also." You see it? Yes. Okay. okay. So this is also reflected in the Hebrew word chachma. Chachma is a compound word. It's a compound of koach, right? The fusion of two Hebrew words, koach, which means power or potential, ma, which means what. That's what the Zohar says. That's what Kabbalah teaches. That chachma. Is a compound of power or potential of what? Chachma is the power, the ability to say, what is this? An inquisitiveness and openness to that which is not yet grasped and understood and still defies comprehension. So what does Chachma mean? What does it mean to be wise? It says in Perkei Avot, Ethics of Our Fathers, Eizehu Chacham. Who is considered to be a wise person? Someone the, who's always searching for knowledge. Exactly. Somebody who, who's open. Somebody who learns from everybody. Real wisdom, understanding is kind of the, the opposite of, of chachma, of wisdom. Understanding is not openness. Understanding means there's specific information and I need to make sense of it. But wisdom means I'm open to collecting that information. I'm open to something which is beyond my comprehension. Chachma is humility. It's an expression of humility. Being open to something larger than ourselves. That's real wisdom. A wise person, it says in Pirkei Avot, Ethics of Our Fathers, how do you protect wisdom? I think it was last week's chapter. Which quality protects wisdom? Silence. Right? Remember that one? Silence is a protection for wisdom. Because when we're a person who's humble which is represented by the quietness, open, that's true wisdom. Now let's apply that to our chapter, back to chapter 12. Being wise will outshine being foolish. So as soon as I'm open, when I'm intentional, by being open to something larger to myself, being open to my purpose and mission in life, being open to my soul, which I don't always um, perceive as clear as, as I do my animal urges. Being open to this will illuminate away, illuminate away all the darkness and all the negativity. 
right? Any questions, comments, controversy? No. No. Okay. Makes sense? It makes sense. Okay. What's fascinating... Oh, so to, to, to hold on one second. Where are we? Okay. Okay. Now this Bainini, who takes this, who's intentional, right, and is able to control his impulse. He's still not a tzaddik because the impulse is still there. The impulse is still there. And we're not here to really, we're not here to destroy the impulse. That's not our job. That's the tzaddik's job. We're here to not react to the impulse. So I'll give you an example. A number of years ago, when, I lived in, when we lived in Crown Heights, I'm walking down the street. And for those of, okay, I think everybody here is from the East Coast originally, right? No. Yes. Except for Zach. Zach, are you a Californian? Born and raised. Okay, okay. Most of you guys are from the East Coast, so you know what the parking's like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right? They say there was a guy parked. There was a guy going fifty miles an hour, and a cop pulls him over, gives him a ticket for double parking. Yeah. <laughs> That's New York, right? Um, New York, Brooklyn parking is horrendous. It's the it's the worst. So. People like to double park. People like to park in people's driveways. So I'm walking in Crown Heights. I'm walking down the small street, and there's the sign, and it says, don't even think of parking here, which is bizarre for several reasons. Number one, don't tell me what to do, Not, right? New York attitude. You have New York attitude? I'll show you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, was this a homemade well, sign? It was a hey, homemade we're, sign. We're we're born and bred New Yorkers. We surely know that. You know what it's like. Oh yeah. It was a homemade sign. Don't 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 even think of parking here. Was it a driveway? Yeah, it was a driveway. <clears throat> yeah. So besides that, they're telling me what to do. But I'm no, I'm kidding. But besides for that, what's the what's the issue with the sign? It's impossible. As soon as you told me, don't think of parking here. What did I do? Thought of parking there. I thought of parking here. Right. Don't think of pink elephants. <laughs> That's what you think of. What should the sign have said? Don't think about parking here. You see the difference? It shouldn't have said don't think of parking here because as soon as you say don't think of parking, I'm thinking of parking. Think of parking. But don't think about it. What's the difference between thinking of and thinking about? Keeping you the thought out of your head. Exactly. You can't control what you think of. Thoughts come up, right? You can't control that. You could control whether or not you're going to think about it, whether you're going to dwell on it, whether you're going to facilitate it. And that's the difference between a bainani and a tzaddik. A tzaddik doesn't think of negativity, let alone think about it. A bainani, he's going to think of negativity. It's going to come up. He has a strong animal soul that's impulsive, but he's not going to think about it. He's not going to intellectually facilitate it. But Rabbi, see, a real New Yorker would have said, um, think about what your car is going to look like if you do park here. Yeah, exactly. This was a nice New Yorker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very polite. <laughs> so the difference between so a Bainini can't control what he thinks of. We can't control what we think of. Uh, at least not 100%. 
but we can control what we allow in our mind, right? You can't control who knocks at your door, but you can control who you allow in. For the tzaddik, nobody bad is knocking at his door, right? There's no negative. The bainini has bad people knocking at the door, but you don't have to let them in. The Russia lets them in. And the Russia lets them in, right? The Russia actually thinks about whatever comes to mind and will even speak about it and, and, act, and act on it. And where does the Bainini get the strength to control what he thinks about? Not what he thinks of, but what he thinks about? That's being intentional because the mind will rule the heart. And he could close that door and say, I'm not letting you in. Okay. One more point I wanted to share. I think this is so powerful. The Altarebic, the author of the Tanya concludes this chapter with applying this idea not only to our uh, religious life, if you will, but also to our relationships with people. Which, by the way, they go hand in hand. A Hasidim um, once asked the Altarebbe, the author of the Tanya, what's more important? The mitzvah to love God or the mitzvah to love your fellow? Which takes precedence? Love your fellow. So he said, I don't even understand the question. How are they two different things? If you love God, then you're going to love God what God loves, which is your fellow. So the Alter Rebbe applies this principle, the mind ruling the heart, not only to people, not only to our relationship with God, but to our, in, in our evil impulse, but to our relationship with people. And he gives the example of Joseph. Joseph had a very difficult life. Um, his, re his relationship with his family, with his brothers, were far from perfect. Um, they were super jealous of him. They wanted to kill him. They put him in a pit with snakes and scorpions. They sold him to Egypt and told his father that he was eaten and devoured by a wolf. He then goes all the way down to Egypt and it starts to be successful. A successful servant gets accused of raping his um, employee's wife. It wasn't true, but he was framed. Spends 12 years in prison. Right? And we're familiar with the story of Joseph, but if we weren't familiar, now we're to stop right here. You would say, what evil brothers? <laughs> what, what a bad life. But it's because all of this that they discovered Joseph was a king of dreams. He was able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. He was able to foresee that there was going to be a big famine. He was able to get Egypt prepared. He was able to save his brothers. He was able to save the world. Right? He saw the good that came out of it. The brothers come to Egypt to buy some food. Right? It gives them a little bit of a run for their money but finally reveals himself to them. He says, it's me, I'm your brother Yosef. And the Torah says they start backing away, right? This is going to be bad. <laughs> They're expecting retaliation. He tells them, don't fear. Don't be afraid. I'm not holding a grudge. Don't worry. It's because of you guys that the entire world is being saved. Right? Is that emotional or is that rational? Emotional. 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 
Well, the, 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 the environment is emotional, but the, to muster up the courage, to not be mad at them, right? That's very rational. That's very rational. If well, it's he was, also emotional. It's also emotional because if you hated your brothers, you couldn't rationalize not hating your brothers. Well, uh, emotionally, he should hate them. It's right. rationally, he appreciates them. So the mind, whenever there's this fight between being rational and being emotional, being rational is going to win because the mind rules the heart, light illuminates darkness. So emotionally, he has every right, if you will, every excuse to, to hate them, to hold a grudge, to be angry at them. He has the power as being in command in Egypt to retaliate. And emotionally, we, we could justify that, right? But rationally, he says, no. Look at the outcome of your actions. So much good has happened. And this is something applicable to all of our, you know, in, in, in interpersonal relationships where we have negative experiences with people. And I'm not talking about somebody who's, God forbid, dangerous. If somebody's a dangerous person and, you know, we don't need to be, uh, you know, we have to be safe also. But I'm talking about regular interpersonal relationships. Um, you know, sometimes being emotional, not being intentional, will force us what will will cause will really spiral the relationship out of control whereas being intentional like joseph will put us control will put us in control will put us in the right frame of mind and will be a lot healthier for our relationships this is healthy for our relationship with god healthy for our relationship with people as well that's okay. my story and i'm sticking story to it sticking to it <laughs> This is good class. Thanks very much, Josh. Thank you.